0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I am here in Rainy Mobile, And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. We are fortunate enough to also be joined by Pete Smith. Say hi to Pete, everybody.
1: Hey. No, no, no. Uh, no, it's good. It's good.
0: Um, So we are in Mobile, Alabama. You can probably hear through our microphones that in our Airbnb, it is raining in our mobile studio. Um, Pete, this is um, how many times for you at the Senior Bowl?
1: By my count, six.
0: Six times. Okay. Um, So were you here yesterday? Did you get to see the practices and whatnot?
1: I did. I did.
0: So it's it's a full, like, week-long event. Right. Like if you could just take me through, like, what is your experience whenever you go to the senior bowl?
1: Uh, So depending on when you get here, uh, I usually come on Monday. Some people come on Sunday. Uh, Tuesday is the biggest, longest day. And they've gotten better at it as they've gone. So Tuesday morning.
2: Great. We came on the Wednesday. Uh,
1: (laughs) Clearly, we are newbies. (laughs) The, The biggest thing is Tuesday. And it's because you wake up. Uh, If you haven't already, you go get your credentials. And then it is straight to the weigh-in in in the morning to watch a bunch of dudes stand around in their underwear. Um, And we all do
0: it. Living the dream.
1: Well, some of us do it. There are a lot of people who who will come down here who who cover this stuff, Uh, media and coaches who drink enough the night before that they sleep through the weigh-ins. And then we found out when we got there this year that they did it on Facebook Live, so we didn't really have to go there. Um, uh, <laughs> now it's, you know, if, if you're asking, does it really matter? The answer is maybe, um, wait, it, you mean the weigh-ins yeah,
2: matter or actually being there in person? Whether being
1: at happens. the weigh-in, like, do you need to actually physically go and stare at a man standing there in his freaking undies getting measured? No, cause you, you can you just like get, to get watch the him listen a little bit? <laughs> um, it's kind <laughs> of, I mean, look, you, you can make it sound like you, you're going to have some sweet insight, uh, because you see a dude without his clothes on for the most part, and, and it ends up being poking fun at it most of the time, like Hunter Renfro looked like you guys. I mean, honestly. Which, which one of us? <laughs> which? The thing is, you're all too tall. Uh, but like, It's so, true. Even no, Michael it's so, too so tall. So last year, <laughs> last year was the funniest part of it, is they had this poor kid, Braxton Berrios, you guys may remember from Miami, this yeah. little, little oh, yeah. slot receiver. Hunter Renfro is probably the exact same size. And then they 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 they've invented this mascot in connection with Reese's and the Senior Bowl. His name is Cuppy. They put Cuppy. they put Cuppy on stage and measured him as a gimmick. Cuppy was bigger than Braxton Berrios, an NFL draft prospect. It was you know that's unfortunate. <laughs> and his name is Cuppy. His name is Cuppy, and it's a giant just a giant Reese cup head and a little body thing. <laughs> and if he came out this year, which he didn't, uh, it, the mascot was still there at the media stuff. Uh, he it's would have brand been...
2: activation, Pete. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah.
1: <laughs> like God <laughs> willing, someday you know you guys will have a, a live video, and you can have a Barbasol mascot come out and uh, do Spray it. But, shaving cream, everybody. <laughs> and, but literally, if he came out this year, he would have been bigger than Hunter Renfro too. Um, but it's you know if you like get a sense of what guys look like, who's carrying just bad weight, some of that stuff, or y- you know you are genuinely impressed in a non, uh, and, well, for some people, maybe a homoerotic way, that you see a guy like uh, uh, Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State who looks like a goddamn action figure. Uh, looked like Cap- Black Captain America. So, wait,
0: Pete, I got to ask you. Was was Terrell Hanks, was he clean-shaven? Like, the whole chest? Like, you think he maybe shaved with Barbasol razors? I think his... He looks like an action hero. Like, I, I think
1: his body... I think is his, whatever body hair he had saw the physique this man had and decided, no, we're not, we're not even, (laughs) no, we, we will not, we will not deign to mar this, this, but like, he's just, he looks like a male model type thing. Like, uh, but yeah. So, you know, how important is it? I don't know, but it's what you do. And then this is the, the way they've improved it is that's always been the way it is, but they, they used to have the media thing where, you know, schmucks like me, uh got to go like shoulder to shoulder with real journalists and uh, talk to these players at a certain time. It used to be at night. So what they've done is they've changed it so it's there's like a two hour br- maybe an hour and a half two hour break. Uh, and then they go and eat uh, and they feed us. It wasn't as good this year as last year. Um, but uh, and then you know you get to go around and they put a couple guys at podiums to ask questions and stuff and then you can just grab guys, around there uh which is Hmm. interesting
0: that's uh,
1: awesome because nor like up until i think the last two years when adidas took the contract for the clothing stuff they had gear with their name on the back Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to tell and you had all these people uh tv people who have no idea who these people are with helmets on taking the helmets off (laughs) and they're sitting there going and it's not easy for us. I mean, I, I at one point, I I had to be like, dude, I, I know I'm going to be an asshole here, but are you this person? He's like, nope. Uh, <laughs> and so, but, <laughs> yeah, but it's hard because to. you don't, like, unless you're studying, like, the little profile picture, it's just what it is. But, it, you know, if they don't have their card right, you can't see it. And a lot of them didn't. And I I know, I know at least there was a story of one player who at least allegedly told, you know, a couple people he didn't want to talk to him, which is not usually how that goes but it's just interesting that you have you know like i said a guy like me versus you know real journalists like zach jackson's here every year for the athletic and he does a great job and he knows he knows a lot of these guys he actually does you know we can all bust on the cleveland media but he actually goes and talks to people who knows what they're obviously he he, he's such a big mac fan that he he knows a lot of these guys (laughs) who are down here from the mac and stuff like that so he talks to them or various guys so it's it's fun from that standpoint obviously you know I asked one hard-hitting question this entire week, and it was Andy Isabella's birthday. Thank God he cleared every threshold for that. Wait, um, wait,
2: wait. What are you What are you saying?
1: So, when it comes to the draft, you want to take kids who are going to be less than twenty-four years old. That time they are going to get drafted. Like the 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 failure rate at that point becomes significant. And I guess it's are a, there
2: many draftable players that are over twenty-four? Yes. Like, who are some recent examples?
1: Well, one Brandon Weeden. I was gonna say, so <laughs> <Yeah>. Brandon <laughs> Whedon wasn't a good pick. <laughs> gotcha there. Like, that, like it went as well as you thought it was. Good. Like, if you if you were to, like if you were in a vacuum still today, this is one of the most. This is why I I I've gone on radio and said this is the worst pick in franchise history, and they'll go, what about you know Tim Couch? Blah 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 blah. No, in a vacuum, tell yourself. We are going to use a first-round pick on a 20-year-old quarterback who played baseball for a couple of years and was pretty good in a high school-type offense. How likely is that to succeed? It's really hard to, just to con- conceive of the idea of taking Brandon weed in the first round. But uh, Point no, taken. Point taken. But, no, I mean, there's guys who, you know, oh, there's older guys that, uh, like, I think Anthony Johnson's going to turn out to be 24 at the time of draft. He's a nice player, but... What, you want to, what you're worried about is, is a guy is 24, 20, you know, 24 years old and he's finally dominating against potentially 19- and 20-year-old kids. Yeah. yeah. Then he's going to have to go and, and do that against real men. And, and I guess you can make the case that if this guy was dominating you know, for all those years and then is this long, maybe he just decided he loved school that much, you can make a case for it. But the thing is most of those guys don't stick around that long. So it tends to be guys who are late bloomers. Like this year, Tyree Brady from Marshall uh, is a really nice receiver. The guys are uh, guys are hi- high on, but he's older, and he finally broke out this past year, which makes you a little yeah, nervous. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. I never really thought about it that way, that whenever they're older in college competing against younger guys and then they step into the arena, it's not not quite the same.
2: Wasn't that what happened with Kevin White? I mean, obviously he's had injuries, but wasn't he like 24, like ridiculously old coming um, out of West Virginia? I don't know
1: about Kevin White. I do know that uh, Kelvin Benjamin was quite old. for he. Uh, which one of you lives in Florida? You know that janky high school rule where you can be practically 21 and still be playing high school football, which is what <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin was We've doing? We've all
2: lived a significant period of our <laughs> lives in Florida, myself huh. most recently. But yeah, so like Kelvin
1: Benjamin was like, I think in high school, still playing high school at practically 20. Twenty years
0: old, uh, and and that's where you get into that. I remember when I was in middle school in Tennessee, and we played a kid on this soccer team that had a full beard, thicker than yours right <laughs> well, now, <yeah>. full beard. <laughs> we were in middle school, no joke. <laughs> it was like this is not, that's not,
1: come on. Well, there's a, a friend of mine. Like uh, there's this legendary high school in Ohio, Maslin High School, and it right. gets joked on that kids get held back in eighth grade uh, to to, 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 to dominate at like, sports, to dominate in high school, and a friend of mine. Uh, played freshman football against Maslin, and the kid he went up against, played freshman
2: football, drove home. Like,
0: that's (laughs) (laughs) That's not allowed. You better
2: have have a hardship license because that's not. Okay, but Andy Isabella is everybody's draft crush, it seems. Like, it's like the only wide receiver I consistently see everybody, like, hoping that their team, like, pounces on. And what was the, what were you wondering about related to his age?
1: yeah I just wanted to that was one thing I didn't know about him was just how old he was it turned he's just turned twenty two in November so he's golden uh yeah and I even had to explain i even explained it to him later uh, after the fact why I would ask him such a weird question but yeah uh no he's uh you know on tape he's just unbelievably fast i mean there's just if you watch him and you you've seen the clips of, and I'm sure they'll they'll run them endlessly as the draft approaches him oh yeah Blowing, blowing away guys from Georgia, guys from Mississippi State, whatever. I mean, he had 303 receiving yards against Liberty this past year. Um, he's just faster than everybody he's playing against, and even yesterday, it's clear how much faster he is than everybody else. Now he's he's tiny uh, in terms of height. He's His just, hands are small too. He's got tiny he's hands. Five eight. Yeah, he's he's five eight and seven eighths. Uh, it. In, yep. Not even the shortest guy here, which I'm surprised by.
2: Uh, but he's thick like he's a yoked up dude uh so weighed 186 yeah. and i think i was looking at the list today like and the wide receiver seems super deep so it feels like some wherever each different draft analyst is going to have these guys ranging from a pretty broad spectrum. Like he's like number 10 on Dane Bruegler's board right, right sure. now, but I feel like he could easily be number five on somebody else's or number 15 on somebody else's.
1: Yeah. This has been sort of the way this has been going the past couple of years, even last year, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, Chris Godwin was my number one receiver in the class. And he goes, you know, middle or end of the second round to Tampa. He's been, you know, he's been great. Uh, needs to be a little more consistent but yeah or last year you know DJ Moore to me was far and away the best guy and he ends up going 24th and I think you're going to have that again this year and and to me like right now and, and I haven't asked him and it probably didn't even mean anything to him but my what I'm trying to find out is what makes Marquis good or Marquis uh, Brown Hollywood Brown at Oklahoma better than Andy Isabella because that's I think what's going to happen is if and he he may be taller, I mean, and that would be a legitimate thing, but they're both super speed receivers, but I think Isabella does more in terms of he wins at every level. But, like, I, th- I think what you're going to consistently see, and if you saw Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, I keep talking about this on multiple things. I, I feel bad because it's like I'm making this guy sound like <laughs> this is the be-all, end-all, but, like, he had Hollywood Brown 15th, and I, I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily, but if you're telling me would I rather have Marquise Brown to say, Fifteenth, or would I rather have Indy Isabella in the middle of the second round or some people saying in the middle of the third round. To me, it's no contest. I'd rather have Isabella. Um, and obviously the other thing from a Browns standpoint, you're, that, that people are going to be drawn to him. He, he said the magic word, which is he's a Browns fan. So he, he went up two rounds for most most fans. Did he go to
2: Ohio State? No,
1: he nope, didn't, he but did he's not, a Browns fan. But so, he, likes, okay, but he grew up liking Ohio State, which is like partial credit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's got all those, you know, the, the gets us, he's got the born in Ohio, you know, ass tattoo that everybody you know, loves. <laughs> it. Uh, we, we, you know, there's a, there's a segment of the fan base who will give umpteenth chance, uh, umpteenth chances to guys who are from Ohio, like Brian Hoyer is the one that got away because he's loosely from Ohio. Uh, but they're you know they're harder on some of the other guys that we've had or, like, you know, guys were so down on Antonio Callaway early because he dropped balls, whatever. Or, like, hard
0: on Jabril Peppers because he went to Michigan. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> wh- whatever the reason. I, I, I don't even know if it's because it's Michigan or it's Sashi or whatever. But him and Njoku have had the hardest time getting the fan base to sort of wrap their arms around them, and they're both really good football players. And then, like... You, and I and I can only assume it's because John Dorsey dubbed them great football players by picking them. Chad Thomas is coming. You just you just wait. <laughs> He's coming. It's uh, something to the fan base or whatever. So oh,
0: I, I, I hope I hope that the people that are saying that because I know you're not saying that. I hope that those people are so right about that. <laughs> Yeah. Now,
2: Chad Thomas is my number one question. If I run into John Dorsey this week and we strike up a conversation, hey, I John. can say, "Hey, so Chad had a a, a tough year this year. What <laughs> are you What are you expecting
0: from him going what, forward? What do you see in him? Yeah. If you ever get a chance to ask John Dorsey that question, that'd be a great. One. Uh,
1: I, w- I wish I wish <laughs> I had the the gumption to do it, but uh, no, I, it's it's. But I got way off track. So yeah, interviews happen. Good. You get like. Uh, you know a couple hours of that and then it is literally you know the first group goes through they they finish eating or whatever they leave they go get ready for practice you finish up and it's basically hop in the car go up to lad people stadium and you get there and chances are they're already starting stretching or whatever and then it's practice two practices in a row uh if you've got media credential you can go on the field in between to talk to guys or whatever or see what's going on uh and then that's it i mean but It doesn't sound like it's a long day, but it's just, it's a long day. Mm -hmm. It's um, more than you think. And then if you, you know, eat at one of the various establishments that uh, serve all kinds of delicious, awful for you, uh, nap inducing foods, you know, that slogs up the process a little bit. Makes the day
0: even longer.
1: And then, you know, you have a bunch of people who power nap after said heavy meal and then find, you know, find the energy to, uh, visit various establishments of uh, repute around here. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, you know, this is, this is the ultimate example of guys burning it at both ends. And that's not just media, that's coaches, that's front office personnel. If you go out and around, there are guys who like to party. Uh, and, and, you know, there may or may not have been, you know, people who, who have seen coaches, uh, that may or may not have recently been hired by this organization to run, be the head guy out and about. Freddy Kitchens. But, you know, that's it doesn't matter. Like, it's just all good fun. Nobody, you know, this isn't like a, everything's in walking distance, uh, you know.
2: So we need your tips. We have two dinners over the next two nights. We're, we're going to need to know off the record where we need to go. Um, so we'll be talking to you after this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of rubbing shoulders with um, players, coaches, GMs, front office people, I distinctly remember hearing your story about you fumbling around a conversation with Andrew Barry, your man crush, last year, um, and saw your tweets about running into Dorsey Um kitchens and highsmith on the plane the other day can you tell the listeners and us honestly in more detail we'd love to hear more about your interaction with them the other day
1: so yeah last year i went chris farley show on uh on andrew barry a little bit he may or may <laughs> not remember uh and then you know it just turned out that uh on my trip uh, down I, I flew to atlanta uh, Alonso highsmith was on my plane from there and a couple scout guys and then we get to atlanta's airport and it's all these guys showing up at the gate. Dorsey's there. Uh, kitchen shows up, and a bunch of other staffers, and they all were obviously going to the same place. Uh, flew to Pensacola, running a car. So I got on the plane. Uh, you know, the, the, Freddie and, and Dorsey in first class. I walk by. I go, you know, congrats on the job, Freddie. Uh, he says, you know, sir, he, man to the people in his flannel. Uh, <laughs> nice first class flannel, uh, which I hope the Browns website starts selling. Uh, <laughs> Brown but, and orange
2: flannel would be uh, after they get that the actual deal. sweatshirt on, on the on the market.
1: And then, and then as I casually walk by, walk by, I said, I wouldn't mind if you guys, you know, left with Zach Allen and Andy Isabella. And he sort of just smiled, laughing. Dorsey, Dorsey, the man of laser-like focus, just continues reading. He's a huge reader. Uh, in fact, I heard him in the airport talking about. He got to, went to the bookstore, got scouts a pair of books, and basically set, told them, read these. Read these to get to uh, understand each other, Give just giving them shit like he's this that, just that guy.
2: Uh, wait, he gave them both the same book?
1: Went, no, different books. Uh, he went to the bookstore, bought two books, different books, wait, gave wait, them to wait. these scouts, and said, use this to get to know each other.
0: Wait, so you're saying that he identified their personalities... And then gave them a book so that they could read a book about the other person. No, I think
2: they were supposed to tell each other about the books and like connect. I, well, oh, okay.
1: no, no, I think it's basically he has, it, has figured out. You know, based on it, knowing them to this point, figured they are like these people. Live weather here in Mobile Alabama. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. <Yes>. Uh, <laughs> uh, that he he basically you know decided they are like the you know le- these type of people read books to basically understand their their way of thinking and and largely it was busting balls and and a great joke i for you know 20 bucks worth of gift (laughs) shop or whatever um and then on the way back i'm still walking back in the uh to the the cabin i see poor alonzo highsmith giant man that he is crammed in, in in uh, coach, he was in first class on the flight down. Coach, back here, and I go, uh, and I said to him, "You must have drawn the uh, short straw." And he goes, "Yeah, all the way back." And I and, 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 and so and I mentioned this on Twitter, and somebody somebody was right there, and I wish I would have thought of it at the time and said, "This, that's the punishment he gets for picking Chad Thomas." I wish I would have been like, "Yeah, this is what happens when you pick Chad Thomas." Justice, but, sir. But uh, yeah, a giant a giant man uh, stuck in coach, and then uh, so. You know, it, it, one of the things that you can't help but notice with our front office and our coaching staff is they are really difficult people to miss. Like nobody looks, <laughs> no like, kidding. Nobody it's looks like so John true. Dorsey, and and I ju-
2: and I. It helps when you dress the same way every single. And day. And the
1: wardrobe is consistent. Man's uh, like a cartoon uh, and, and character. And I don't know what. Well, speaking of that, and I don't know why, but John Dorsey has always reminded me of Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes, and I don't know what that is because it probably <laughs> doesn't even make any sense, but he just does. Uh, and Alonzo Highsmith is an enormous person. Freddie Kitch is an enormous person. Like the most innocuous person is probably Elliot Wolf because he's, you know, a nerd. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's a small guy. Uh, but Andrew Barry could blend into a crowd. Uh, yeah, yeah, He he's, he's tall, but uh, yeah. I mean, everybody, they're just... He's very morb- distinct-looking, though. Is he tall? Yeah. Because he
2: played corner,
1: didn't he? Or yeah, he's like... I, he's a little bit... He's, or did
2: he play receiver? I'm trying to remember what I position was a, he played. I think he was a DB. Yeah. Okay.
1: But, uh, yeah, he's a tall guy uh, and, and obviously fit, whereas it, Freddie, uh, you know, talking about on the radio with Bull and Fox mentioned he's in A-shape. Uh, <laughs> he's not wrong. Uh, you know, the, the, they're, they're just very easy people to run into, so bumped into them again, and... Uh, at the restaurant we went to today for lunch, uh, I think it's called Jake Coleman's out in Saraland. land, but, uh, you know, which is, a gr- which is great. Um, b- uh, if they feel like, you know, sending you guys merch or, uh, <laughs> that would meals. be great. But, so
0: who
2: all was there at the restaurant? So, today? Cause that was when practice was going on as well. Not right? quite or right before.
1: Right. So because, uh, and that's part of the reason we were there is because, you know, practice was canceled. We were going to go there anyway, earlier, uh, but uh, we show up. Uh, guys Guys, I know from around here, my my, my personal uh, concierge who lives down here, Brian Bosarge, at uh, Deep Fried Draft. Uh, I met up with him. I, I met Joe Goodberry there. I'd never met him before. And, and Joe Sheeran, uh, Sheeran who uh, works at, uh, writes at Cincinnati Jungle. Uh, Pigskin Paul, who a lot of people know anyway. He's famous around here because he's been here forever. Uh, Shrine Game, stuff like that. Joe Everett. Uh, and his brother, uh and, uh, so I get, you know, like we get there and, uh, Pixie and Paul co- shows up and he goes, you know, who's always here. It's like John Dorsey, even going back to green Bay, he comes here once a year and almost like that, John Dorsey walks through the door and, uh, he sits down, he gets his drink order and then people are coming from the back to hug him and stuff. Cause they all know him. He's been here so many times. Obviously. Yeah. Distinct. Um, which makes me wonder how long the Pittsburgh Steelers signage is going to last in that building. Um, I, I'm assuming they're old school Terry Bradshaw fans or something, but yeah, it was great. And then Freddie Kitchen shows up. I think Elliot Wolf was there, and 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 it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, and uh, we all put it hurting on that table.
0: That's awesome. That's great. So that that will provide a little bit of insight of why people come to the Senior Bowl. Why it's a good thing to do. The 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 thing, and you got, I, I don't
1: know how much you guys have actually left this room. But the thing about Mobile
0: is—it's actually not at all, Pete. We got here. We called you. You came over. <laughs> so we recorded a podcast. We did get we're, lunch. We're we got down lunch. To, We're down to business. And we, actually, we went to Walmart. We made a Walmart run. That's so, right. So
1: if if you get a sense of Mobile, like especially downtown <laughs> Mobile, it's tiny. It's like basically two blocks wide, and based on, and then it's like a you know, five minute, ten minute drive to Lad People Stadium. And then it's a bunch of restaurants around this place. So you're, you know, there are billions of dollars worth of NFL people here, and it's a small area. You're gonna run into them. Last year, yeah. um, uh, the place I, I it's switching ownership, being renovated, the brick pit, which I love. Uh, Pat Shermer, I found out was officially the Giants head coach when he walked in with his Giants gear with all the staff. Like it's that type of thing. You're going to see people as if, if as long as you recognize them. Uh, there's a bar. Uh, famous, everybody jokes about it who's been here, called Vitz. I've seen Jerry Jones hitting on the best mobile has to offer in there <laughs> with armed security and all that stuff. So it's just, it's very hard to avoid running into these people, which is why, you know, so many people want to come down here. Uh, and it's not just for access. It's like coaches want to hang out with their buddies or scouts and their buddies because there's so much, you know, crossover and interconnectivity that this is like one of the places where everybody knows they're going to be. Uh, and they'll see each other out in the road as various places, but this is like the one place where this and then the combine and stuff like that where everybody's going to be here. And the Senior Bowl is a little different because a lot of – it's early enough in the process where a lot of unemployed coaches or coaches in bet- between jobs will show up because they will look to get jobs. So like a couple years ago, the now no longer employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joy Porter, I basically saw him get hired – on the sideline uh, with Mike Tomlin, it's just that type of deal. Uh, so it's fascinating that like such a you know a nice small town gets this yeah. giant corporate entity that just it, you know largely you know it feels like it runs the sports world, all crammed into this. It's kind of, it's it basically the NFL or the NFL's answer to the hot stove, uh, and you know it's the easiest way for sort of. You know the the common man to sort of rub elbows. Yeah.
0: Well, that's exactly what we are, and that's why the we're here. The common man. The common man. So there's there's a ton of executives here, Pete, and a ton of awesome people to see, and we're excited to do that tomorrow. Today it's just raining, so we're not doing anything. But there's also a ton of prospects. There's a ton of football being played, so you got to watch. Um, you got, you know these guys super intimately, and um, we you got to watch practice yesterday and stuff like that. And I'm we have a couple of people that we want to bring up to you. Um, but I'm also interested. I'm thinking about obviously only who the Browns are going to potentially be drafting, and I'm thinking interior linemen. Um, who are some interior defensive linemen that stand out to you that you think are potential good fits for the Browns, or maybe um, in that first second round?
1: Interior defensive linemen
0: here. Yeah, they, they aren't here.
1: They aren't they here. Did not come. No, they okay, all. Okay, but
0: what
2: about out. Zach Allen? He's, like, you seem to love that guy. He's I, one I do of the love ones him. you brought up he, to I do love him. the guys and on the plane. He could be
1: theoretically moved inside, but he is a defensive end. Uh, and if you look at him, he's a bear of a man, but he does play on the edge. Um, no, the guys who were signed up to go, and and no shade on them, I, you know, do what you got to do. Like, Gerald Willis pulled out for an injury. He's a nice-looking prospect, Christian Wilkins. Uh, I think he cited injury, but, you know, you, you go through that whole season, you win the national championship. You know, you give your body a break as opposed to running right back out. here. And there's, there are a couple guys from uh, at least one corner from Clemson's out here um, that most of those guys opted out. And, and there's a ton of defensive line talent. It just all happens to be on the edge. So Zach Allen's a great example. Now, he could – you could say to him, and I, and I mentioned it to him. I, I had a chance to talk to him and a, a few other players, um, you know, he said, you know, he'll play wherever he's he's down for whatever. But uh, when I mentioned the possibility of what are teams looking at me, he said, look, uh, you know, the Raiders have me playing defensive end. Every situation, nickel, whatever, defensive end. Because he's on the
2: north team. That's what you're saying. They're coaching. Yeah. And is the the Raiders, Raiders. yeah,
1: the Raiders and the 49ers are coaching. But he, he said straight up, this is where they've got me this week. You know, that's sort of what's happening. But, he, he you know, he's a big guy. He's an athletic guy. Um I've, I've sort of compared him, at least body-wise, and his production is fantastic, um, that you know he's somewhere in sort of that between J.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward. It doesn't mean that's how it's going to go, but just if you're trying to imagine what he looks like, that he could start out on first down on, on, on that left-end spot, and then you get to nickel, and he's inside there rushing the passer. He's the best sort of prospect there. Um, you know, there's a couple. There's one guy I know. What about Daniel Wise? He's not here, but he was at the Shrine Game, and he didn't was, he
2: get a call up? I if he, he did, did,
1: if he did, it's uh, it would be for, that, then somebody must have literally left yesterday and come
2: up. Okay, so uh, I must have missed. I'm that's probably my. But bad. he's a
1: fantastic football player. Uh, I think the Shrine Game actually really hit on a, a lot of good players in that respect, and they've been hitting players defensive tackles i think daniel wise cortez brought and there's one other who's escaped me at the moment
2: what about the kid from AM? what's his face uh, mac dalen mac dalen mac
0: yeah
1: there's a bunch of players i don't think much of from west virginia texas and that are all here um <laughs>
0: they're, they're
1: like it's they're not bad football players it's just it, it, it look it's the process of what i go through like and, and and I know some people. This rubs the wrong way. You go. I, the way I do it is I, I look for production first. I want guys who have high production. You know, historically you look at it, guys who produce in college tend to, you know, or guys who who produce in the NFL tend to prove it, produce in college. So I'm immediately looking to get to those guys, uh, and at least from the defensive line position, uh, they aren't really here. The one guy that uh I know uh, there's a couple people like uh, uh what's his face the dude I think it's Kalief Miller something like that he uh he uh small school guy a couple guys who uh I talked to uh, about the Browns and draft stuff are, are really high on him. He's obviously a story because uh he uh He came down here in spite the fact that his very 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 pregnant girlfriend was about to give birth. He stayed down here, uh, dedication, to uh, impress people. And he's also the guy uh, that you may have seen on on, on Twitter and stuff doing a backflip at 320 pounds. In fact, they did it.
2: Oh yeah, he did at the end of
1: he did at the end of practice. So he's a story from that standpoint, and he's interesting. And I guess he had a really really nice day. I Um, can't do a backflip. But it does for some of for. You only weigh
2: four hundred (laughs) pounds. For for some of
1: us who have been covering this, uh, uh, looking at the draft for a while, it reminds us of uh, the kid who jumped out of the pool. uh, That was a video that uh, that came out, and everybody's like, "Oh man!" And I was one of them. I was like, "Oh my god, this kid's you know supremely athletic." Or Jason
2: Pierre-Paul like doing the backhand spring like Uh, sequence. Yeah, Jeron
1: Gilbert who who ended up going the second round did did nothing, and then. so, yeah, I mean, defensive tackle-wise, I, I would say the guys you want really aren't here. That doesn't mean that they, there aren't guys who can play here. It's just in terms of what I'm looking at. The guys you want are on the edge, and, and Zach Allen is a guy I think could be in the conversation at 17. The guy who right now looks like the dude is Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Uh, is mm. he
2: athlete, like, does he have enough bend and athleticism to him do you think you can see? Because I see a guy that's like a stronger Carl Nassib like a more a, a better built stronger Carl Nassib that doesn't have the bend but is going to have to like just win with power Um, Am I off base on that? I, I,
1: I guess what I would say is we're going to see when we get to athletic testing is, is how his hips and stuff are I think he's fast. Like he—he's he, a guy whos, he's, who's quick off the—quick off the edge, and he's so long. He—he uh, he measured a legit 6 six. He's got an enormous wingspan, and again, homoerotic or not, he looked freaking great at two hundred fifty-two pounds on the stage. Like he looks like a—he looks like a stud. He's got fantastic production. Uh, Jim Coburn just put out his video today. About his uh, about his uh, production, he's got you know Pro Bowl type production at this point. So that's and that's where uh, that's that's where uh, uh, Denzel Ward and, and 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 Bradley Chubb were last year. Like that, you know, if they test well, that could be where that guy becomes in range. Um, we'll see about the bend. But if you're saying to make a better Carl Nassib, I, I could have used some better Carl Nassib this year, but I got stuck with Chad Thomas. So. Uh, <laughs>
2: Uh, but we also had Anthony Zettel and Chris Smith, which are like I think in that same category as Carl Nassib. Sure,
1: I just you know we had a dead carcass on our roster for sixteen games.
2: <laughs> I would have liked those two and Carl.
1: Yeah, Nassib that's, that's the <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so who are some other guys? Um, do you guys have anybody you want to ask Pete about specifically that um, you've heard some buzz about that you've?
2: I just think that uh, for the Browns, an offensive tackle at least depth. An offensive tackle is probably likely in this draft. Do you see anybody at the Senior Bowl this week that is a likely candidate? I know there's a couple names that are out there. There's Dalton Reisner. I think he's a more of a right tackle prospect. And then there's one other dude. Dillard. Uh, Andre Dillard that is thought of pretty highly. He's from Washington State.
1: Yeah, uh, Dillard is the guy that people were coming on, it, it, again, the the mock the Mac draft the legendary mock draft, Janiel uh, Jeremiah had Andre Dillard going to the bronze at seventeen. Um, at seventeen, yeah, he looks great. He looked three hundred ten pounds looks looked great. Uh, I thought he had a rough first day in pass pro. I thought Jalen Ferguson beat him pretty regularly. Um, that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think so much of this is how does he adjust. Now, certainly, you'd like a first round pick who who's being regarded as Mister Pass Pro to come out here and dominate, uh, but the hope is he will get better and sort of shut that shut that down. I think what people forget about is some of these guys haven't played football in a few weeks or, or a month or in some cases, and it's getting used to that. That first practice, a lot of it's just getting used to being back out there, and you see these guys get comfortable. But I'm hoping for a guy like Dillard, who looks great, uh, that he can come out and bounce back and have a great couple days with real pads on. Let's. Yeah. That's the other part of this is the offensive and defensive lineman did not have pads on yesterday, which changes things. But specifically when it comes to depth, guys, the guy I'm really interested in is is, is Titus Howard from Alabama State, uh, former hmm. high school quarterback. And I talked to him. The Four, first thing I friend. said is, uh, you know, how, how many reps are you going to get it this week at quarterback? It goes, nah, man, not a quarterback this week. He went to Alabama State. Moved to tight end and then just kept growing into an offensive tackle. I I, I like his initial it's like, a you know, Kitchens, like, like a Freddie Kitchens,
0: like a Freddie Kitchens quarterback. Right, <laughs> and, and I said and I mentioned to him
1: and I mentioned to him that like look, we've got a head coach that uh, isn't afraid to put anybody back there. So if, if we ever have need of a three hundred pound, court, you know, we need to put an <laughs> offensive tackle back a quarterback. He's like, I'm your man.
0: Who was that uh, Kentucky quarterback that was just so – Jared
1: Lorenzen. Jared Lorenzen and and Titus Howard has a much better body than Jared Lorenzen. Um, <laughs> But he's got a great initial first step, very powerful, and and he was one of the most physical guys, I thought, yesterday. Um, Still raw, still learning. Uh, The kid I'm interested in, based on what I saw at the weigh-in, is Caleb McGarry from Washington. He's a legit 6'7", has a pretty good-looking body. Uh, I think he was playing right tackle because, you know, up until he got hurt, uh, Trey Adams was the franchise tackle guy uh, at Washington that, you know, is going back for – he got a medical waiver for to come back, but he was you know, a super highly regarded prospect. Uh they had a back issue and McGarry's sort of been there and, and I think maybe was overshadowed. He's a guy I wanna go back and look at when I get out of here uh, you know, this week and, and get more to know about because one of the things you want to see is, you know, people are focused on arm length. Height is really the indicator you want to see.
2: He's almost six seven. You know, he measured
1: a legit six seven. Uh,
2: six six and seven eighths. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: he he he's a big big man. He looks good. Uh, height is a good indicator for offensive tackle success. You want guys who can who can get out there and, and reach. It's not arm length uh, so much as is height in that regard. And there's a lot of really tall offensive tackles, but those. Those are t- the two guys I've noticed the most. Uh, the the other guy, I, and I, haven't, I didn't get a chance to see him in, in practice stuff, but uh, Max Sharping uh, from Northern Illinois is another humongous, well put together man. Uh, academic success, uh, you know. I think his lowest grade was a plus in grad school. Um,
2: grad school is easier than undergrad.
1: And A minus in, in undergrad, and uh, he uh, he he may ultimately be a guard. But he's just a big, strong, powerful man. And that's the type of thing I'd like, you know, I think Dorsey's inclination is to draft tackles and then move them which is what I think Austin Corbett was always going to do.
2: Well, that's super interesting, right? Like, I love this that we have campin in our building now as the offensive line coach, where they have developed a crazy amount of offensive right. tackles into, like, starting caliber offensive linemen across the board at well, every yeah, single spot. J.C. Tretter
1: was a tackle at in the Ivy League. He was I a think tackle every single Green Bay Packers yes. starting All of them offensive tackles. linemen were tackles. So, you know, it doesn't mean they won't draft a guard, Uh I, I think Zeidler's the ex- the exception uh, here, anyway. Which you know we'll see, but I, I do think that it's going to be you draft an offensive tackle. If
0: it may- works out, then great. Right, which is why, you're always looking for good offensive tackles, right, and they have an having which is why I value.
1: always people were like getting on Austin Corbett that like well, you, you failed the tackle. That must mean the pick was. They they had a good sense that this is where he's going to end up. They just hoped you know they said we're going to give you your shot. If you can do it, you can't. Can do it. It's great. He can't – he always projected better to be an interior guy. I think he will be a good interior guy. I think that's the pattern you're going to see. It's what they did in Green Bay. I think that formula is going to be what followed – and he did it in, in Kansas City too. Mitch Morse was a, a, a tackle uh, at, 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 I think, Missouri before he moved to center with the Chiefs. Like that's just the way he sort of does it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a good week for guys – who are playing offensive tackle that maybe not everybody knows. I think Dillard is obviously the named guy. Um, but I, I, the, these other guys have a real opportunity to sort of <clears throat> set themselves up for uh, success.
2: Okay, so you said it was Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft that had us at 17 taking Dillard? Yes. Okay, so where are some of these other guys you think like going to fall? I know it's super early. We're still two and a half months away, or three and a half months away from the draft. But like, what kind of rounds are we even talking about for some of these guys?
1: Uh. I, I would say at the earliest we're talking round three, probably more like day three, which is where I think you know, and you know maybe that second third round pick or one of those third round picks could be offensive. Unless they decide that, you know whether they resign Greg Robinson or not, they're like. We, you know, they don't like my idea moving Petonio out there and Corbett inside. And Thank you. I'm so
2: glad that somebody else thinks that that's what should yes. be done.
0: Uh, well, Baker doesn't think that's what should be done, so I don't think it's what's going to be done. <laughs> so if they decide, look, we we want to we
1: want to have you know the best offensive line in the NFL or whatever. We're 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 so determined to make sure nobody ever touches Baker, even though nobody touched Baker for basically the night, last nine weeks. And they go. Let's hammer this down. They take an offensive tackle early. I think it's more likely that they're going to take guys and develop them. I think they can at least say – you know, I don't love Chris Hubbard as, as a starting offensive tackle, but I do love the fact that they, you know, they can keep him. And if unless somebody comes over and offers a trade, and I think teams will, that's, you know, palatable enough where you're sitting, okay, you know, we'll, we'll take it, that he becomes a really nice swing guy and you've got a ton of depth – and now they've gotten an opportunity to take guys and develop them with a new offensive line coach that they apparently they're on the same page with in camping who's had a lot of success with these late-round guys. Keep in mind that even though they cut him, uh, they took C.J. Snyder, who I really liked, uh, off of, was one of, I think, two guys they signed that were both uh, basically let go at the end of the year by the Packers and signed over here, just super athletic offensive line types, you know they've had success getting late round guys. The most successful, obviously, being their left tackle, who who may end up in the Hall of Fame one day. But he was a fourth round pick, just a freaky, freaky athlete. Bakhtiari, right? Bak- David Bakhtiari, who was like you know reputed to like win sprints against skill guys, you know, at Colorado in his day, like that's that type of athlete. So that's where I think the approach they're going to take. I think you have enough, assuming they can get a deal done with Greg Robinson, where they can say the interiors. Where we got ha- make our money, that's where it's got to be right, and then we can develop and see what we end up with on the outside, which is how you end up with freaking the really, like, the Seward's folly of, of Des, Des, Des Harrison at left tackle for a few games.
2: Okay, so this <laughs> is a question because I don't know enough about football and haven't actually played or been a coach or anything like that. But my I was seeing some banter on Twitter back and forth, and Mitchell Schwartz was piping up, I think, actually responding to some of the Draft Network guys about how they were setting up the drills in practice yesterday and saying that it was, like, at a disadvantage to the offensive tackles because they were spacing them out way too much and putting them on an island, and it wasn't realistic at all, and it was making the offensive linemen look bad. Like, is this a thing that's going on, like, at, at practice? Is it definitely set up to be an advantage for the defenders versus the tackles? Yeah, In
1: general the pit drill, which is those one-on-ones, is always going to be in favor of the defense. You know, so much, and, and this is one of those things where like you talk about – if you ever hear people talking about staying on schedule on offense, it's being able to always be in a position where you can either run or pass because you're obviously going to make your offense more likely to succeed if the defense doesn't know what you could possibly be doing on any given play. And if you want to use the Browns as an example – a lot of their pass protect protection issues came when teams could sit on tendencies. Like it's hard to be an offensive tackle, and you've got a unbelievable, freaky, god-given talent athlete out there who knows exactly what you're doing right now, and he has he's in position to get it. That's what that drill is. Like it's great, and it looks great when defensive ends and stuff blow away an offensive tackle, but the guys who look the best are the guys who are offensive tackles who are in this disadvantage and still dominate. Like that's, Those are the guys who are really special. So yes, um, that drill is specifically designed to make offensive linemen look bad um, and often succeeds, but what it does...
2: And defense succeeds,
1: yeah. Yeah, and what it does is it allows to see who are the offensive linemen that are going to trust their technique and who are the guys who are going to panic to try to fix it. Like if you are doing it right and you explode out of your stance correctly, you're not gonna feel the urge to panic and say open up and give away lanes when you're trying to get that speed rush. Do you have the athleticism to get out there? Do you have the trust in what you're taught to do, what your coach to do, that you're not gonna feel the need to make a panic move and open the door where the guy can beat you with a counter move or whatever? So, yes, that drill is always going to make offensive linemen look bad. There are any number of offensive linemen who have looked bad in that drill at the Senior Bowl and gone on to be successful. But it's certainly when you see a guy, an offensive lineman who crushes those drills, that's something to keep in mind because that's not easy at all.
0: Hmm. Makes sense. That's really interesting. All right. So. Pete, I'm interested in um, – you don't think that these people are necessarily here because the, the very top-shelf talent doesn't normally come to the Senior Bowl because they only have something to lose. Sort um, But I'm wondering, who do you think that we might get at 17, or who do you specifically want at 17? Maybe that guy's here, but – Well,
1: I would just say there's a couple guys who could be in that, in that, in that conversation. I think Montez Sweat and Zach Allen are two of them. Uh, you know, We'll see about athletic testing and all that stuff. Andre Dillard has a shot. I'm not really sold on it. But other than those guys, I don't think a lot of them are here. Uh, I, I think there are, there is some genuine star talent. It just happens to be at positions the Browns don't need. Like, Juan Thornhill might be the best football player here, the Virginia safety. And the Browns don't need to take a top-tier safety, but he's just phenomenal. But, you know, it, I, I and, and there are guys who like Zach Allen when I talked to him basically it was talk, I, I was listening to answer somebody else's question he basically said this is the most important week for me I want to you know this is this is a week of competing and actually playing football that's what he wanted to do that's what it was important to him is actually showcasing his ability on a football field some guys like I'll use Paris Campbell in his, as an example he's not a first round pick I don't think he's a tough to day pick, but somebody's going to take him in that day two area, and I think in some ways you could say that by him declining the opportunity to come down here, he's kind of hiding because I think all of his question marks are on the field. Having said that, it may be a really smart strategy that he's not potentially getting exposed down here because, like you said, there are guys who just have potentially things to lose. In my experience, short of injury... Nobody really loses anything by coming down here. Like, if somebody has a bad week, it rarely is ever so damaging that, you, that a guy just can't play uh, or that a guy just loses a ton of money. For the most part, as long as you show up and compete, you're going to be at least successful, stay where you're at, and, and that's usually what happens. If anybody drops based on this, chances are it's more along the lines of guys went back, watched the tape, saw something to concerned them here, but we're going to study... Went back and found yeah, it. Yeah, and, and went confirmed. back and, and, and confirmed what they what they were worried about. Like, a, the, this is a thing that comes up, is, is you know, people talk about these all-star games and, and you know, how many first-round picks have been in certain years and how that's dropping. But, like, take an example, Baker Mayfield comes down... Uh, when people did not th- – very few people thought he was a first-round pick, let alone a first pick in the draft. And he comes – has his issues this, this week because, he, God forbid, he talked to Mary Kay Cabot. Um,
0: and, God forbid, he have family issues. Yeah,
1: that he has a real – What
0: a piece of work. <laughs> Selfish.
1: But, God – you know, he has all these things going on. He comes down here, looks great, and in the end, he ends up being the first pick of the draft. You know, I don't think a guy like Drew Locke – Is losing anything by, I personally I just don't think he's very good. I still think he's going to go high. Um, You know, Daniel Jones. I think these guys are more likely being seen for what they really are. And part of this is is, you know, people who cover the draft or whatever don't know what teams really think. And a lot of this ends up being team you know team stuff getting out and people catching up rather than oh this guy fell because of what he did here. Kyler Murray is an example. You know, there are people talking about him being a first-round pick. That's not likely. It's just really hard to do. So what may happen is as we go through this process, people are going to say, quote-unquote, Kyler Murray is falling. Really, he was never that high to begin with, and it's more or less the market correcting itself. But, yeah, it's. I think there's genuine talent here. I just think it's more day two, day three guys that, that really in the Browns. But again, going you know, uh, full circle, Montez Sweat, he's and, and and I think before he came this week, he wasn't a guy that we were talking about being in, in the market for that seventeenth pick. And I think by showing up, you know, and weighing what he does and looking like he does, that he's really put you know put himself back in that conversation. I think he's had a success week and he looked great on the field and what I saw of him. Uh, Zach Allen, uh, you know, I don't know how he looked yesterday. I think some people were criticizing him, whatever. But I think he's a guy who could potentially be in that, that market.
0: Andre Dillard could be in that market. Those are the three guys, I think, here. Um, so you th- think we go defensive end or tackle just about surefire?
1: So, uh, you're just talking in general?
0: In general, the Browns at 17, you think that those are the two guys, if they're available, the best player available at those two positions, if, you think is who it's going to be?
1: If, if it's me running the draft – it's what do you want, Pete? That's what ta- I want to know. What do you want? Defensive line, corner, offensive tackle, and then tight end are the four positions I'm looking at. Uh, and, and specifically, tight end, it's TJ Hawkinson. I'd love that dude on my football team. But if it's John Dorsey running, I don't know if he used tight end the same way. He's never taken a receiver in the first round, so it's going to be either corner, defensive line, or offensive ta- or offensive line. Those are the those yeah. are that's what his history says. If he takes uh, obviously, quarterback, but they don't need one.
2: Or uh, defensive line, no? Yeah, yeah defensive okay, line. Defensive just line, just line
1: offensive line,
2: corner the, the, are
1: the ones that, uh, that this year, he's never taken a receiver. So if he does that, it would be a major upset. Same thing with, like, the people talking about, oh, he'll take Saquon Barkley. And he's
0: never taken a receiver in the first round, but he's always gotten good receivers. So there's yes. nothing to be worried about. Now, the quality of the character the those receivers... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I, and I think I'm
1: hoping he'll take a receiver on day two this year, get you know a more premium weapon for Baker Mayfield. And, and again, I'm not against that being a tight end. I love this tight end class. I think there's great tight ends here. Um, that, this, that, that If they want to add weapons that work for Baker Mayfield, he's always done well with those guys. And tight ends, you know, you can never have too many 6'4", 6'5", 250-pound guys who can run. Those are really hard to defend.
0: Yeah,
2: it's especially great for the red zone. Um, so at, so some of the corners that are getting looked at, it doesn't seem like the top, there's not like top end corner talent at the senior bowl this week. Like, are there, what guys do you see getting drafted in those middle rounds, maybe like in the second or third rounds? Are there any of those like here this week?
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, the guys I'm looking at, I think Chris Boyd from Texas is very interesting. His production's through the roof. Um, he's never had a day of non-contact in his life. He was beating the hell out of people yesterday. That's just what he does now. He gets beat. He'll over overextend and lunge. He's a thick dude. He's uh, like 5'11", 200-something pounds, and he looks it. Um, if you like the press corner, he's, he's that type of guy. Uh, the kid from Penn State, Amani, I can't pronounce the last name. I need to hear it a few times. He's a legit 6'1", 200-something pounds, competitive, um, I, you know, he's the, the, all these guys I'm talking about have had elite production at some point in their career. And and, and the other one is Amon Marshall from USC. He's a
2: highly ranked recruit. I remember him coming out of high yes. school.
1: Um, very, and he had a great, great, great sophomore year. Uh, and then the last two years, it hasn't been there. Now, you know, teams are going to obviously ask. Teams are going to go to the tape and find out what happened. How much of this is just the fact that USC has basically tanked the last two <laughs> years. But he's another one, 6'1", Legit, 200 pounds, and you know, don't get me wrong. I I loved West. I love West Coast Ward in Byron Murphy, and and I like the fact that the Browns have a guy like T.J. Harry. But it would not surprise me in the least if the Browns are saying to themselves, "We've got you know this smallish, speedy corner. Maybe we want to be able to sort of mix things up and get one of these taller, physical guys. And 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 if nothing else, um, the kid from USC." Is a, Amon Marshall is a guy who will he was physical he's very physical in his routes but there's this class and it's certainly not limited to, to mobile has a ton of super long corners uh, it just seems like teams are taking more and more receivers and moving them over uh, Isaiah Johnson from Houston is the most notable example he's a guy with uh
2: Super long arms, right?
1: Yeah. Well, he's also the Burger King ad uh, with the with the tiny hands, like, <laughs> well, like it's. He,
2: just, he, I got
1: these tiny hands. Yeah. He, he walked up on the stage. He's this enormous guy, and you can't help but notice these little these little flippers. Uh, and and That's he's 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 a big long bat, but I think he had like sub nine inch hands uh, on a man who's like six two something. So you, you just can't help but notice. Um, he's a guy who who was a receiver. Coming to, like, I think a highly recruited receiver, I could be wrong, super speedy receiver. They move, move him after his freshman year, he becomes a corner. You know, he's, he's had a lot of success for them. I thought he had a pretty good day yesterday, just competitive and stuff like that. But it's just becoming a wave of these bigger physical corners that can play, and now it's just a question of sorting out who's the one that can really do it. Um, the name you're going to hear, uh, he's not here, he's you know he's a junior uh, Justin Lane from Michigan State if he tests well he's listed 63 185 or something like that his production in Michigan State was absurd a Benedictine kid from Cleveland uh you know if he, if he runs well he's he's gonna be a stud
2: is he like in conversations like the number three corner behind like greedy and West Coast Ward yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, in fact I, I'm not sure he doesn't it, he, I, I, wouldn't rule out the possibility that he could not end up jumping one of those guys. But yes, I do yeah. think, I do think, if everything works out for him, he becomes that third guy. At
0: worst,
2: oh. yeah, Matthew, thanks for making all that noise over there.
0: Yeah, Matthew's just rocking in his chair, interrupting <laughs> Pete. Uh, I was, I was good, but uh, I don't know <laughs> if we
1: can hear the rocking on the chair or not. Let's find out. <laughs> all right,
2: well, what oh. other, what other? Um, so, here, here's my question. Not having been at any of the practices yet, and we're only going to get one shot now. We thought we were going to yep. have two shots. I thought today was going to be our, like, uh, work out the kinks, figure out what our rhythm is, and then we could really knock it, figure it out tomorrow. But, are they, do they separate both sides of the ball? Like, do you kind of have to choose, pick and choose, like, which, like, drills you're watching? Like, are the... It, are are the guys like on the line like working on one end and then the skill positions are on the other end of the field or how does that work
1: Yeah so what my plan was uh, was I was going to spend day 1 watching the skill guys because alignment don't have pads there's a lot of you know the one-on-ones and stuff with receivers and corners interesting uh day 2 I was going to spend and 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 we'll do that now just spending watching alignment uh uh they, the, the, behind the practice and that you know what would be the the tight viewer that all twenty-two, where you have, you know, you you can see them squared up uh, from the ba- the the uh, end of the stadium, looking down on them. And then if if there was a day three, I'd probably do a little bit of both. But yeah, you end up you can sort of be on the side and watch a little bit of everything you can't you want, and and that's certainly an easy thing to end up doing, just because you have a natural thing of your eyes go to where things are going on. Uh, but yeah, if you're trying to say I want to watch this. You know, one thing, uh, and last year was obviously a lot of Baker Mayfield, uh, then, then, you know, you're, you're going to have to sort of plan around that. So at this point, you know, assuming we have the practice tomorrow and there's no reason we shouldn't, I will be, you know, down on the end watching, watching the linemen get after it.
2: That seems to make sense. I mean, we like are pretty interested in the defensive linemen as well as the tackles. Uh, yeah. To see where they're at. So you get to see both sides all at once. Now, the, and, the
1: thing that's, that will frustrate the hell out of you is when they do individual drills and they'll put one offensive lineman in one corner and they'll take the defensive line to the opposite corner. But yeah, when they actually work together, <laughs> uh, when they actually work together, yeah, it's just all them getting after it in one group.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm excited. So how long are you going to be there tomorrow?
1: You mean at practice? At practice. I will be there from when it starts to when it ends. Thankfully, they changed it uh, so it's just back-to-back. There used to be a break in between and then, you know, you go eat something at one of the various establishments, feel like you're ready for a nap and then have to try to keep yourself focused on watching watching the uh, practices, the second practice which wasn't always easy.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know about, I'm looking forward to seeing you there tomorrow, Pete. Uh, This is fun. We got to do this yeah. in person. It uh, was. I it's think one of the
2: best things about doing this podcast is that we've got to, like, interact with different people and meet guys like you. So it's fun to actually get to connect in person for the rare opportunity when we're in the same uh, same city. So thanks for taking the trip across town to record <laughs> with us. Yeah,
1: the, the long haul of the 10-minute drive. <laughs> no, well, no, it's the funny thing is it was funny when you guys basically announced, like, seemingly, I think the day before, you're like, oh, by the way, we're going to Mobile. You want to do something. <laughs> it's like, All right. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's all good shit, and and the, the fact that it it it's a great setup to do this type of thing. Like, it's not you know again credit to the it's not it's not a city you'd think of for doing this type of thing, but it sort of works out, and that it has this sort of like neighborhood feel, very close to downtown. So like right now we're in somebody's guest Airbnb, house. yeah, somebody's house, which is ten minutes away from downtown. It's just sort of an interesting way to operate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it is fantastic. Um, um, it has been great to get to know you, and I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow, Pete. I hope you guys all enjoyed hearing um, Pete and what he's doing. Um, Pete, where can they find you um, if they want to hear a little bit more about what you have to say about all this?
1: Uh, God, I'm on so many podcasts anymore. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's let's start with your Twitter handle. The easiest place to get get me is just at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Chances are you're going to be in my mentions complaining about how great Landry is, and I'm going to tell you he's not. But, you know, there's other things that happen there too.
0: Well, if you follow our Twitter handle, you'll see us interacting with Pete all the time. Um, we love him and we also love Barbasol because that is the person who sponsors our podcast. Pete, you ever shave with Barbasol?
1: Not right now, but I have. Yeah, definitely.
0: Pete has some, some scruff right there. He's not been shaving recently, but we whenever all he have gets beards back, of some sort. It's actually have a, rather
1: ironic. A little something. <laughs> but no, it's something. funny. You get like the the brothers are at like various stages of the growth. We got the mustache, <laughs> The scruff beard and then the fuller beard. We're like
0: yeah, that's stages right. of
1: manhood here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I'm at the earliest stage, the youngest, with only a sad little stash that I've been holding on to since I was 15. But if I wanted to shave that stash off, I promise you I would use Barbasol. And I would join the Barbasol Shave Club featuring the premium ultra 6 plus razor. Barbasol is the brand trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close, clean, and comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com to join the Shave Club today. And if you visit Barbasol.com, you can use discount code BROWNS, that's B-R-O-W-N-S, BROWNS, to receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. I know Pete's ordered one. Um, he's big into the shave kit. He's got one. We actually that's got a our first
2: he- fan to sign up for one this week
0: <laughs> and then tweeted at us. It was a marvelous thing. Did you listen to that last week, Pete? We, I'm, sh- I'm sure I have. We reached out to Barbasol. We wanted to know how many different fans had actually ordered the shave kit. And they With let, the discount code. They, oh,
1: gotcha. Was this when you guys were getting scolded for not... When, when one <laughs> brother was scolding the others for not doing the ad in his absence?
0: Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, so, So... We reached out to the Barbasol guys, and one of them had to respond and say, uh, yeah, dear Michael, you have gotten zero orders. <laughs> so we scolded our fans, and we actually got some response, because I know we have got a lot of listeners, and they uh, decided to order the shave kit. Now, if you get your grandpa to actually listen to
2: the podcast, he might order one for you.
0: Yeah, he might.
2: He does shave with Barbasol. I know that for a fact. He has for many a year.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. All right, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We're so glad to have Pete on the pod. Um, we will come together. Back to you tomorrow. Back tomorrow um, with another podcast after we have watched a full day of practice. So tune in tomorrow and we'll upload that tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night. Um, We will see you there. Shave Barbasol. Go 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 Browns.